I'm her father. Now I get it. Okay. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm going to start with the ba- very basics. A lot of some of these halachas are not necessarily, you know, you're not the ones going to be dealing with these halachas at this point in your life. Some point in your life, you will. Um, hopefully, then you'll, you'll, you know, have had a lot of other training in it besides. And I imagine some of you have training in this area, the areas of Boston of Chol of Kashas in the kitchen, and from home already. Um, I just want to get, give some understanding of some of the concepts, maybe point out a few halachas. I don't want to pass you because you're not the ones that are being passed in your shilas at home. You can just maybe raise the question to your parents. Why are we being so machmer? Because of Rangel said his mother. Um, okay, so the Isra of the Torah, the Torah says that a person cannot have Basa uh, Bechalov together. The Torah writes the Isra of Basa Bechalov in the language of uh, of Bishel, the Torah writes it three times in the language of Bishel. So I'll understand that if, even though it's written three times, um, once, one is for the Isra of cooking. There's an Isra of cooking, Basavachalov together, whether you're going to eat it or not. There's an Isra of eating it together. Um, and there's an Isra of having Hanoah from it. So a person can't go over this, to this Basavachalov and take a Shemaka, ah, that smells good. Can't have Hanoah. The Torah writes the Isra of Loisavashal Gadibachalevi Mori, even the Isra Achil is written in the language of Bishul to indicate that the Isra of the Torah is only if there's so much, there's going to be cooked, they're going to be cooked together. The Chachamim came along and said, you know, you can't put them together even if they're not cooked. But if a person, on a derisa level, if a person would take kosher meats and take kosher cheese and put it together in a sandwich, he did not do an Isra Derisa if he ate that. Then Isra Derabona. If a person would cook the two together, that'd be an Isra Derisa. Um, the Isra of the Torah of, Bish- of Basra B'cholov the Isra of the Torah we're talking about right now is when you're cooking it together there has to be a transfer of tastes between the two of them so for example if a person would cook a large amount of meat with a very minimal amount of milk in it it would not be an Isra of Basra B'cholov because the, the milk is so small that it's going to become negligible and, and nullified in the meat which is there what is the amount which the Chachamim said that is the one that you've heard of your Botel B'shishim it's Botel 160th so, if you'd have a very large part, pot of cholent, which is which fleshings, and a drop of milk falls in, there's 60 times more of the meat, meat or liquid which is there, not necessarily the meat, but everything which is there. So, the, the milk is going to dissipate, it's going to become negligible, it is nullified, and there's no issue at all, the rice or the abundant of eating that, eating that food. So, taste is going to be significant. In halacha, there has to be a transfer of taste between the fleshes to the milchus or the milchus to the fleshes. What, what are the ways which halacha recognizes are the possibility of a transfer of taste? So the obvious case is where you're going to be cooking together milk and meat together, there's a transfer of taste. Um, halacha takes it a step further and says, not only is the problem of transfer of taste where you ha- actually have milk and meat together, but you're going to have possibly the flavor of the, the milk or the flavor of the meat in the walls of the pot. When a person cooks in a pot, um, a certain amount of flavor is transferred into the walls of the pot, and now that theoretically could come out of the walls of the pot, next time you cook something into it, and go from the walls into the next food. That's a form of a transfer of taste. Uh, there are basically three ways which, where taste can, be tr- taste can be transferred. There's direct contact. This is one way that, that taste can be transferred. That'll be direct contact either of milchus and fleshigs, actual milchus and fleshigs, or of the pot to the other item, and there's a flavor in the pot, so there's direct contact. The second way that there's a possibility of a transfer of taste 
is what's known as Recha, which means smell. And we'll talk about those halachas. And the third area where it's possible to have a transfer of, a transfer of, of taste is what's known as Zeya, which is steam. So whenever we're dealing with a, with a kashrus question, we want to know, is there going to be any type of direct contact between the two? Um, the milk is still fleshes. Is there going to be possibly they're both sharing the smell from one the transfer of smell from one to the other, and possibly the transfer of t- t- taste from one to the other through the medium of steam? Yeah, we're good so far. No big chedushim at this point in time, right? I do want to point out that the the transfer of flavor through steam, or as you go to you go to your you go to your science class and they tell you, well, you know, the meat it remains the meat, and what comes out is just the water vapor. And it's just the H2O molecules which are coming out and the meat remains behind. Uh, there is such an argument in halacha. Some poiskim raise such a question. But the general consensus of poiskim is that that's not how halacha looks at it. We look at it as there's going to be actual milk exerflations transferred through the medium of steam. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I want to focus today mostly on Recha and Zeya. Uh, but I want, to, I want to do Recha first. Recha is smaller. We'll, do, we'll cover Recha. And then we'll talk about Zeya more at length. I do want to talk about the, the, the halachas of the transfer of taste through direct contact, at least when it comes to um, um, regards to pots, etc. We're going to stay away from direct contact and milk hooks and flashings. But you do have the issue of direct, the transfer of taste uh, through direct contact Theoretically, you're putting something fleshic into a milk of pot. That happens sometimes. A person puts something milk in a milk of pot, and by mistake puts a fleshic spoon and stirs it. So there are many scenarios where you're going to have a transfer of taste through direct contact, the contact being over here, the spoon to the food. What about, so I'm not, I'm not going to go into that. that you know, you're familiar with that, that exists. I'm not going to, we're not, we don't have an opportunity to cover all of that today. Um, I do want to point out, what about if two pots touch? Because well, that's one of the areas which we are going to, we are going to touch on, pun intended. Um, what about if two pots touch? So if two pots touch, as long as there's no... For them to, to, to flavor to transfer from one pot, which is clean, to another pot, which is clean, there has to be a medium of transfer. The medium of transfer has to be moisture. So we say that you could, direct contact allows the transfer of taste. So if you have something actually milchic, you know, piece of... You know, a person puts down his flesh, and the next thing he knows, he as it's there, somebody, one little kid comes by and drops their piece of cheese onto the flesh. That's a problem. There's direct contact between the flesh, the meat, and the cheese. You know, there was no liquid there, but that, that, that doesn't help you. Um, how much has to be dealt with that you have to ask your rabbi? Um, but in a case where there's two pots which touch, as long as there's no liquid there between the two pots, it's, it, it is not a problem. I wouldn't tell you to do that, but if that happens, you know that it's, both are dry, it is motor. It's not any problem with it. Okay, now, let's go back to the issues of Recha. So Chazal said that more has an argument whether Recha is milsahi or Recha lav milsahi, whether f- smell is an issue or not. In Halacha, smell is an issue only under three circumstances. We deal with a, smell as a problem and not b'diyevet. Number one, you have to know that, that, that the, the reicha is an issue and not b'diyevet. The only exception to where reicha is halacha in the b'diyevet case, you cannot do it, even b'diyevet is a problem, is in a scenario where you're dealing with the suri which you're not dealing with in most cases, you're dealing with in your kitchen, you're not dealing with the suri An example of that would be if you're, if you're walking down the street 
and there is this space of Rodozora, and they're burning incense there to their Rodozora. You can't have a law from that incense. You cannot smell it. It's also to smell it. Um, so that's a problem. You know, a person is walking down past the donut factory, and it's Pesach, and there's this tremendous overpowering smell of comments like the donuts coming out into the street. You should not take a whiff of those. Ah, you should not take a whiff of that. If you could possibly go down a different street, you should do so. Um, but, yes. Right, that's true, but I would not advise you to put something which is tray in your mouth and tap yourself and then take it out. Oh yeah, you just said walking past it and smelling it, you should. I understand, this is, again, but the limit of tempting doesn't apply when you actually put it... I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm getting there, I know what I'm saying. Right? <laughs> Temptation has a limit. In other words, you say, I would like to have that, but you don't take it into your hand. Yeah, I know, obviously. But you're just okay, so, 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 so smelling in halakha when it's prohibited in halakha is the same thing as taking something in your hand. Okay. Question. <laughs> How do you know it's a better question? Maybe it's not a better question. I'm just saying I have a question. Okay. Yes. Um, let's say you're walking in the mall and there's and it's just not kosher because it's not kosher, not because it's it doesn't have ashkafa, just it's not like pig or milk meat and meat and milk. It's just like auntie's auntie's pretzels, you know, it's really good smelling pretzels. You're allowed to smell them. And they smell so good. Don't do it on Pesach though. Okay. okay. Are you only talking about Pesach? You can smell pig. Right. Okay. This Israel law, okay, that's a good, I, I, I made an assumption. Let me explain something. I made an assumption. I said Israel law. There are certain things where there's a prohibition of getting benefit from them, not eating them. Basavachalov is something which, once it's actual Basavachalov, you cannot get benefit from it. Chazer, you're allowed to smell Chazer. You're allowed to smell tray for donuts, not just not on Pesach. Okay, then, then, then. Then, fine. Okay. So if you don't have a problem with it, then I don't have a problem with it either. Yes. So would you not be allowed to eat at like a mall or somewhere like cafeteria if there's milk and meat together in the cafeteria? You know, we're moving away from this. Let's stick to the smell issue and let, we'll deal with smells and then maybe if we have time we would get to that. that there is an issue that the Chachamim were concerned about eating when there are other foods there. Possibly you might be tempted in certain cases is a problem. In certain cases it's not a problem. It's a, it's a valid question, but I'm not going to go there right now. Okay, so where is Reicha an issue? Reicha is an issue, um, in the, but that, it's something that's not a story on law. So your person is, has milchiks, and he has, wants, he wants so the, the smell of milchiks, is, is that going to create a problem to, together with fleshiks? It will. You cannot cook in an oven it's, it's, since it is an enclosed area of the oven, you cannot cook together milk and flesh at the same time. There we say the loch is that's a chachila. You cannot have a situation where you're having milk the, the smell of milk is transferring to the flesh and the flesh to the milk You cannot do that. If both are covered, that would not be a problem. Reich would not be a problem. There might be other issues. But again, the issue of the transfer of smell is only it's in an enclosed area. And that's also the chachila. But yeah, but if you did it, it would not be awesome. We're going to get that, That's where we're going. Now, there is one, one other way where in this halacha of Reicha, we said there's three issues. The one is Isri Hanoah. The second one is cooking the two together. So it's also the Chachilo, means you cannot do it. But if you did it, it's going to be Mutter. If you would bake a bread, now let's take the situation, a person would have milk cooking in the oven, 
and it's open milk, so, so there's a smell coming out of it. And a person would be baking something part of it at the same time. So bread, whatever it is. You cannot eat that bread together with flesh's. Because even though there's no transit, there's no steam, and there's no tr- t- contact, there was smell. And I cannot go lechadchila now and eat it together with something which is flesh. That's still considered lechadchila. So I cannot take my bread, which is pariv, ostensibly pariv, because it didn't have any contact with the, mil- with, with, with the milchik, and it didn't have any steam from the milchik. But even so, you cannot go lechadchila and have it together with, 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 with flesh. So the only scenario which you'd be allowed to have, let's say, with fleshes, you would have a flesh of food, which you have no other bread available, let's say, and you cannot eat the, this food without bread, which is almost very, very uncommon, such a thing. Right? If that would be the scenario, that would be a bit of a bit But otherwise, you cannot take anything which is cooked together in an oven with milk eggs and have it together with flesh eggs, or vice versa, something which is cooked in the oven together with flesh eggs and have it with milk eggs. Okay, that is the, the, the second area where Recha applies. The third area where Recha applies is a totally closed oven, like a microwave, and that gets much more complicated. And you should never have milk and flesh together in an oven, even in the oven, it might be a problem, because it's much more closed than your average oven, which has a vent. So that's the third area, which is a totally, enclo- totally enclosed area, and that's more of an issue. Milk and flesh in a microwave is a, is a big no-no. The same, now we're talking, some we're talking about at the same time. Now, let's talk about a situation where you want to have the, the question, which is Sarah um, Brocha's question, of you want to have them one after the other. What's that, and that's going to be the main body of the shir today, is the issue of one after the other. So, we're going to have to look at, are there any issues of contact, number one? Are there any issues of Recha, number two? Are there any issues of Zeya, number three? Because those are the three ways you're going to have a transfer of taste. If you have, if you have none of those three, so, present the hate, right? So we said Recha means when they're in the oven together. So the, the only scenario which you're going to have a problem, Reicha is that they're in the oven together, so we're talking about one after the other, Reicha is off the pitch. So we're taking Reicha out. What about direct contact? So we said that there's a transfer of flavor from one to the other through direct contact of the milk to the flesh. Or if something is absorbed into the wall. Well, if I cook milk, it's in my oven, and some of the milk gets absorbed into the rack or into the wall of the oven, then I put flesh in, and I put my flesh Hot, down on top of the spot where the milk is absorbed, I might have a problem because it might absorb that milk which is there. So if there's actual residue there, you have a real problem. You put, you're going to put your fleshy pot down on milk residue. Can't, that's a no-no. Let's say there's no residue there, it's clean, but this question there's something absorbed in there. So that's really like two pots touching. Right? I, have, I have this dry rack, this dry pot, Touch it. The dry pot is fleshig. The dry rack is milchig. But they're touching. There's no, there's no moisture there. So it's not going to be yasubir yet. I will not tell you to do the chachila. So the best thing to do is put a... Put a always put, you put a piece of foil down. You're not going to have a problem. Good so far. So if a person uses the oven for milchigs, then they want to use the oven for fleshigs, or vice versa. I'm not saying when that's permitted or not permitted yet. We'll get to that. But I'm trying to address the potential problems... The reicha is not going to be a problem because there's one after the other. Contact, there's no contact. See, if there's actual residue, there is contact. That's a problem. If there's no residue, there's no contact. The best way to guarantee there's no, not going to be any contact is by putting down a piece of foil. There'll be no contact. Okay? So far, so good. Now, so the real issue comes to the loch of zeo. 
right? the, the steam issue. That's where that's where halacha becomes much more significant. Smell is only an issue if it's at the same time. Okay. But Chazal said, any steam which comes out of the, uh, out of the food has the status of the food. So if I use my oven for milchiks, and the steam comes out of the milchiks, dissipates throughout the oven, goes into the walls, goes, according to some opinions, sits there on, 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 on the walls, on the outside even. It's not necessarily visible. Then I put inflation into my oven. And steam comes out and mixes with that other steam, which is there in the walls and on the, on the in the walls on the walls, and now I have milk, I have basibachalov in my oven, and then it goes back, and then some of it's hanging out there in my oven, goes back into the food. My food is basibachalov, and it's just with the rice to eat the food. So that's a real problem. So we have to address the problem of preventing the mixture of milk steam and fleshic steam together. And that's really the real question. You want to discuss using one, the oven for one thing after the other. The real question is, how do you prevent the problem of milk steam and fleshic steam meeting each other and creating a problem? So that's what we're going to try to address today. So this is all preamble till this point in time. And now we're going to actually say this year. Are you with me so far? Yeah? Nothing? Okay. So, um, the best eights, I'm going to tell you the best way to do it, set up, and then we'll, then we'll, go, we'll work from the chachilas to the not, not best eights. The best eights, if you want to use an oven for both milchigs and fleshigs, so if you have a self-cleaning oven, life is very simple. Right? Halacha allows you to use it for milchigs, run a self-cleaning cycle, and afterwards it's no longer milchigs. So you can use it for power, you can use it for fleshigs without a problem. So you have a self-cleaning oven, you can use it for milchiks, then you run, run through a cycle, which is the equivalent of kashering it. It's no longer, no longer milchik. Use it for fleshigs. Now run a, run a cycle again. Now it's no longer fleshigs. Use it for milchiks. As long as you make sure you run that cycle in between, you're okay. So self-cleaning was a, was, is a, a cleaning oven. If you ever get an option in your life, if you don't have one yet, to get an option of buying one, buy it. It makes life very much simpler. I must, do want to point out that there's something called a continuous cleaning oven, which I don't, I, not, not so common nowadays. This, a continuous cleaning oven does not have that halacha. And it will not solve your problems. It might make problems even worse. So if you ever have an option of buying a continuous cleaning oven, do not buy a continuous cleaning oven. Do buy a self-cleaning oven. Okay. You do not have a self-cleaning oven. You're living in an apartment somewhere. They, 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 you take whatever you get. The, the oven they give you is not a self-cleaning oven. Or you move into your house and you'll have them, you're not holding me buying a new oven at this point in your life. You're davening that this one should break. You'll have to buy a new one, but it didn't happen yet. So meanwhile, you're stuck with your old oven, which is not a self-cleaning oven. Now what do you do? So, assuming that you do not have a self-cleaning oven, the best thing to do is to decide that your oven is either milchiks or fleshiks. Make a decision in your mind. I'm going to make my oven a, give it a, de- a status or designation of a fleshig oven. Which means that I'm going, uh, the decision normally would be, I usually cook, I cook fleshigs more often than milchigs, so my oven will be used for fleshigs. So if my oven is used for fleshigs, I can cook fleshigs in that oven, open, don't worry about any steam, because any steam which comes out is always fleshig steam. So put in fleshigs, comes out fleshig steam, put in some more fleshigs, Again, fleshig steam, no problem. It's always fleshig, fleshig, fleshig. Right? So I use my oven for fleshigs and I use it uncovered. Or, if I'm a person who has a lot of milchigs, I have decide that my, my oven is going to be a milchig oven and I will use it for milchigs uncovered. 
Now, one day I realized I use it for fleshes, and it's right for shuas, and I need to make a cheesecake, which is milk. Or I need to make, I want to make something which is parav. So how do I use a fleshic oven for parav? How do I use a milk oven for parav? How do I use a milk oven for fleshes? So, assuming that the oven is clean, which means the best way to assume the oven is clean is by cleaning it. Okay? Alright? You don't need to use, you don't use, which means you can use fantastic, you don't have to use easy oven. I'm not talking about, you know, clean out the, the oven is clean. Put down something on the racks, just, you know, just for, that there shouldn't be any direct contact. So I want to cook, I have, let's say, the example we're going to do, start with the flasher oven, I want to, I want to bake in that oven something which is parav or something which is milchik. If what I'm, what I, if what I'm baking parav is dry, there's no problem. Because the whole problem is, remember, the steam. So, if I've been cooking fleshic things, a lot of steam, etc. There's all this steam all hanging out all over the, in the top of the, in the walls of the oven, etc. But how do I mistakenly get that back into my food? Well, I put the next thing in, it puts steam out, they mix together, and they come back into the food. Well, there's no steam, because what I'm cooking now is it's dry. So, so, so let's give, give a few examples. So let's say, I want to bake challah. So I have a fleshic oven, and I want to bake challah to use for a milk of and eat this, no problem. As long as the oven is clean. Isn't that the point of cooking is getting all the, like, cooking is getting the water out? Like, so, recognizes the fact that there's, minimal steam is not a problem. We're talking about a significant amount of steam, which means something which is liquid. Um, that's a fair question. We will try that. We, will, we might get there today. Okay. So, so I have a fleshic oven and I want to bake challah. So, no problem. As long as my oven is clean, number one, there's no contact between milk and flesh, my parv and the, and the fleshic which is in the oven, number two. Right? So, no recha because not together at the same time. Zaya, there's no zaya because the second item is not producing any zaya. So I can bake in my oven um, pariv, I can bake in my oven pariv and then use it with milk afterwards. So I can bake my challah in the oven even though the oven is, um, is a fleshic oven and I can use it afterwards with milk. We're going to attempt to do that. Okay. Um, now, let's... Yeah. You could do that too. I'm saying the same thing. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Now, let's say I want to. I'm going to give you a list of a semi list because I don't have a total list. A semi list of dry versus liquid. Let's say I want to make a liquid pariv. Okay. So now it's producing zayev. So now what do I have to do? So there, if I want to make a liquid pariv, um, I have to make sure that it's clean. Um, put my foil down. And then I wait 24 hours. I do not have to kosher it. I wait 24 hours and use it for, for parv. Okay? So even if it's a liquid parv, I do not need to kosher it. All I need to do is clean it out and wait 24 hours. If it's a dry parv, I do not need to wait 24 hours. If it's a liquid parv, I need to wait 24 hours or I can kosher it. Okay? So I have not explained to you how to kosher a, non, a, a non-self-cleaning oven. 
Right? I have not given you. I have not given you. A, I have not given you a list of what's called dry and what's called liquid. And B, I have not told you. I have not explained to you how to kasher a non-self-cleaning oven. So we need to address both of those points. I'm going to address both of those points right now. So, and then we'll, we'll get to going from fleshics to milchics. We have several dealing with fleshics to power, or milchics to power. Okay, how do you kasher a non-self-cleaning oven? So the first thing you need to do is not, you need to wait 24 hours. Um, I'll take that back. If you're dealing from flashics to power, you do not need to wait 24 hours. If you're dealing from flashics to milchics, you must wait 24 hours before you kosher it. Not 24 hours after you use it. Wait 24 hours and then kosher it. If you're using it from flashics to power it, you don't need to wait 24 hours. From flashics to milchiks, milchiks to flashics, you need to wait 24 hours from the time that you used it. It should be clean. Um, then you set it on the highest setting for an hour. Usually that's, usually that's broil. So you, if you're going from flashics to milchiks, you, it's clean. You wait 24 hours, highest setting. Going from flashics to parif, it can be clean anytime during the 24 hours, as long as it has not been used in the 24 hours. Um, if it's going from flashics to parif, so it's clean and highest setting for 24 hours. What did I say? 24 hours. That's a long time. Highest setting for one hour. Yeah, that, that is correct. Thank you. Um, okay. Um, there are some which suggest, yes, there's some which suggest that, and the best thing after 24 hours is, that, is to put a pot in there with water in it and let the water do its thing and put all that steam and that'll be like the same way you that's a form of cashering cashering is always the way you it goes in is the way it comes out so if you put a pot in there with water and let it boil its kishkas out right just boil all the water out so that'd be that'd be an advantage also that's not required it is commendable okay so this is how we're going to kasher from a fleshig oven to use it for pariv or fleshigosin to use for milkings. Now, we said you only need to do this if you're doing something which is a liquid. What is the definition of a liquid? So, um, this is where I got yelled at by the last time I said this year. Pizza is considered a solid. It's considered dry. It's not considered a liquid. We got it for this purpose. Um, if you have a... It has to be a food stu- stuff, a food item, which there's a significant amount of liquid. It'll produce steam. Uh, my wife tells me that lasagna, depending on how you make your lasagna, lasagna could be something which is very liquidy. So I, I have to tell you that I don't spend too much time baking in, in the kitchen, so I have to tr- believe her. Um, but it could be, you can, if you do it covered, it's not a problem. It's, it, it, we're talking about doing it, if you want to do it open, so you want to go from fleshics to milchics, or fleshics to power, or even if there's a lot of liquid there, it's going to produce steam, it's going to be a problem. I have to tell you that I found that Rabbi Heinemann, um, it adds a condition that the liquid is something which you want for the cooking process, as opposed to liquid just, which just um, goes off. Anything which is considered, so, so your, your breads, your cakes, um, you, you, you make anything which is going to be covered, um, even if you have something which is, for example, let's say you're going to have, let's say, a, um, a pie, which is a two-layer pie. It has a top and it has a bottom. So it's a full cover. There's no vents for the steam, which I mean, I imagine you probably don't want to do that. But if, if you would have a, the halacha, this is the case where you made like a like a, 
a meat pie, meat, meat pie, as long as there's a full layer of dough on top, it's considered dry for this purpose. Even though inside there's a lot of liquid, because there's a covering on top. So cake batter is considered dry for this purpose. Um, what? Invent the top of the pie. Now, now you're going to have steam coming out. It's going to be a problem. Your arm's getting tired. I feel bad. I'll get to you in a minute. Okay? I just want to try and finish this thought. So, um, so anything which you're going to see, obviously a soup, um, obviously if there's water, you know, there's simply not the water in there. You, you, if let's say you're making a lasagna, the example of making a lasagna, you're making a lasagna, you didn't, ba- you didn't boil it first. Sometimes you boil it in there. So you, you stick the lasagna in there with all the liquid to, to boil it while at the same time you're baking it. So that's, that's water, right? There's no water there. So that's going to be open, that's going to be a problem. Okay. Um, I can't give you an exhaustive list of dry versus liquid because I don't know what they make in the kitchen. Dry, you know. Most of your kugels are going to be considered dry. Um, chicken, uh, cheesecake. Cheesecake is usually, I, I, the way I understand the way cheesecake is made, it's usually considered something which is liquid, there's not the liquid in there. Um, chicken. So oil is not considered Zaya for this purpose. So but if you're dealing with just plain oil, then that's only you, you know, the fat which is there, that's not going to be considered a liquid issue. If you're talking, you're adding other liquids into there, you're making a, 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 some type of a, a very a lot of gravy with you know you add some water and you add some other things into it, so then you would have a, you could have a problem with your with your um, with uh, that being considered milk uh, considered considered liquid. Thank you. That's what I wanted to say. Yes. You will burn in Gehenna forever. <laughs> what? How much? At three fifty. Okay. What? I don't say you can't have one microwave. Okay. I, I didn't get uh, I, right now. Right now, we're dealing with the right way, to, the preferred way of doing it. I, I didn't say we're discussing on how bad the person is if they don't do that. We're not going to have enough time to tell you how many different levels of Gehenna you get, depending on how much you don't do. At at what temperature? My wife wants to know what temperatures are going to be. Okay? Um, Okay. So, now, I have my Fleischer oven, and I want to cook something in there which is milchik, and it doesn't need to be open. I can cook it it covered. Not a problem. As long as there's there's not reicha, it's not the same time. No contact. It's clean. I cover the cover the, the racks. So as long as it's clean and there's no zayah coming out because it's covered, because it's eight. So if I want to cook something there in my fleshig oven, which is milchik, and it's covered, I still don't have a problem. So if I want to cook something in my fleshig oven, which is which is um, dry, I don't have a problem. If I want to cook something in my fleshig oven, which is not which is liquidy but it's covered, also no problem. The only time you have an issue, I want to cook something, cook, cook something in my flesh oven, which is liquidy, and it's open. So we said it's liquidy and it's open, and it is for pariv. You do not need, you can, you can again, not self-cleaning, right? So you can wait 24 hours, or cash it immediately and, and, and do it. If you want to cook something from, in my flesh oven, I need to transfer now to cook something which is milchik, and it's liquidy. 
and I need to cook it uncovered, then I need to do the full process of koshering, which is clean it out, 24 hours, kosher it at the highest setting for an hour, and then use it for milk. Yes, is that, is that clear? Uh, yes. Um, what about double wrapping? If you double wrap it, you the truth is, for this purpose, which I said covered, you know, that, that, uh, double wrapping is a form of covering, right? Right. right? Uh, it's even more covering, right? right. Um, so the, the, the advantage of double wrapping is that even if, if the, 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 for this purpose, one covering is really enough. Right. The advantage of double wrapping is, in case there's, even if there's something on the, on the rack itself, I've addressed that issue, even if any, some moisture comes out and it touches the rack, I don't really need double wrapping for this purpose. It's an advantage. I don't really need to do that. But do you need to clean the ovens if you're going to Theoretically not. Okay. So, um, okay, so we've discussed Fleshagavan to Parib, Fleshagavan to Milchik, Fleshagavan to Parib, which is dry or liquid, Milchik, which is dry or liquid, open and not open. Uncovered and, and, and covered. So that's, there you pretty much cover everything. I do want to point out that if you're going to be doing this from fleshiks to milchiks, you should not do it too often. Now, why is that? Um, there's a discussion in Allah, you know, theoretically, if I don't eat, I don't eat you know, hot food too often, so theoretically I can have one set of, of, of utensils and I'll use them on Sunday, wait till Monday, 24 hours, cash them. And use them for fle- for the for the other thing, you know, flashes on Sunday, milks on Tuesday, you know, flashes on Thursday, etc. You know, can you do that? So the mug in the room says you cannot do that because you're afraid you're going to forget to wait 24 hours. So the idea of going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, we're afraid you're going to wait, you're going to forget to wait 24 hours. Therefore, it is discouraged. You should not do that. Now. When it comes to a self-cleaning oven, since you do not need to wait 24 hours, so that problem doesn't exist. What? You can self-clean for an hour. Now, the self-clean... You only need an hour to self Once you set it to the self-cleaning setting, within an hour it gets to the highest... That's true. It takes about half an hour afterwards to unlock. No. <laughs> you know, get a new one. I can tell you. Like, you know, you know, make a big sign. Do not buy this type of self cleaning up. Okay. Okay. So this is, and, th- and if a person would have again, the person would be starting with a milk oven because that's what they usually use. Going to flesh, it would be the exact same thing. Okay. That is within the oven. Let's talk about the stove top for a little bit. Because Zaya, interestingly enough, plays a role in the stovetop also. Um, or a range. Whatever, 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 you, whatever the difference between the two of them are. Your watch is wrong. I have seven minutes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll get to my group. Thank you. Okay. So just stovetops. There's, there's potentially two issues with... with Obviously, contact is an issue. There's no issue of reichel because it's totally open. So reichel is irrelevant. Contact is an issue. So you don't want to put your pots near, too close to each other. You're cooking milk in the back, flashes in the front. All right? Splatters is not a good idea. 
if something you know splatters out from your milk to your flesh, your flesh to your milk, obviously that can create a problem, and you have to ask your L O R um, get up stock on that local Orthodox Sheriff. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, what about Zaya? So theoretically, Zaya goes up. In general, steam doesn't go down. Right? Unless it's in a closed area, it hits the top, it might come back down. But otherwise, it just dissipates. Within your kitchens, no problem. Two potential problems with Zaya. If I have a big pot and a small pot. So I have a big flesh of soup. I'm cooking, you know, 16 quarts of, of, uh, of chicken soup in this big 16-quart pot. And I have this little, you know, chicken cooking some milk for the, for the baby. And it's right there, you know. And the steam is coming up. And it's right next to each other. They're both hot. Bam! This, the steam is spreading and hitting it right there. That's not a good idea. You shouldn't do that. So do not put small pots next. You want to put a, a gigantic pot of milk, you know, so the steam is the same level, both going out into the air, just hey, careful not to splatter one to the other. But you put a small one, as the steam escapes, it's going to be hitting the pot right next to it, so, that, so that's not a good idea. Try and keep a distance between the two of them. The other potential area where you have an issue of Zaya, some, if you have a, a, a stovetop where the stove is beneath the, 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 the stovetop, the oven, thank you. Yeah, whatever you call that. The oven is beneath the stovetop, so it's venting out somewhere. Some of them vent to the back of your the, 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 the stovetop. So there's a little little square thing over there, and that's where the zaya, which is if you're cooking something inside the oven, which is fleshig, you're cooking something in the back burner, which is milchik, you might have a problem of zaya, fleshig of zaya coming out and hitting the milchiks. So that's you should be aware of. Um, that's for stovetops. So I just want to, I'm, I'm running now. Sorry, I just want to, I want to try and get to, to microwaves. Microwaves. Um, so, double wrapped solves, even if it's, if it's not clean, if it's double wrapped, it will solve your problems. Okay? Um, if you want to put something, so let's say you have a situation your person's at, at, at a, there's a non kosher microwave, or there's a kosher microwave, which is milk or flesh So, if I want to put into that, even if it's not clean, and all the time the cleaner right now, and my person's working in some office, and there's a microwave there. If it's double wrapped, there will not be a problem. The, the double wrapping, I want to point out, it's referred in Aloha that one of the wrappings should be hard. So if you can bring it ho- from home some type of a, like a, a, a container, which you want to put it in, and then you put another layer around it, obviously do not use foil, right? Um, right? Except you want to see what happens if you do it. I, I can see that already. <laughs> but, it, it sparks very gishmak. No, the newer, the newer ones will turn on. Okay. Really? Um, so saran wrap, you know, this, you know, something of that sort, which is what you use, or a bag, something of that sort. Now, you, you, the, the real issue is you, because you, you can't totally seal it, because it'll pop. And then you get really have a mess, halachically. I mean, size practically. You have a mess halachically. So... You don't want the contact. You want to limit the contact. So theoretically, as long as there's no moisture touching the two things at the same time, you're okay. Double wrapping is good. I saw one saver suggest even triple wrapping would be even nicer. Um, let's say I, want to, I have a microwave at home and I want to make it from. I want to transfer from milk to flesh, flesh to milk. Can I do that? So immersion has a triple immersion that you could. Now I want to point out to do that. First, it has to be clean. Before you do anything, you want to transfer the milk to the flesh by kashering it. It has to be clean. So you have to totally clean out the inside, um, number one. <coughs> number two, um, so what am I kashering? Am I kashering the, the, the surface or am I kashering the, the contents which went into the walls? The walls will only absorb if the walls get hot. The walls don't get hot, it will never absorb. So how do I know if my, the walls of my microwave get hot or not? 
microwave doesn't work, the walls don't get hot, the food gets hot, and the heat it, it, it then goes from, transfers from the food item to the walls. So different food items will transfer heat to the walls differently. Um, a, a baked potato or a potato which you're baking will transfer heat to the walls at one, one, one speed, etc. So radically what you could do is if you know that your microwave is very large, etc., except for maybe the, the glass which is beneath it, which you could put uh, a styrofoam tray on top of it, if the walls do not get hot, you don't need to cash the walls. Right? So you put something in there over there which, you know, as a test, put on the highest setting and let it go, you know, for a few, few minutes, take it out and carefully touch the walls. Don't burn yourself. If none of the walls are hot, so the, you don't have to cash the walls. All you have to do is make sure that it's clean, right? Um, and the, the, there shouldn't be any direct contact with, between. So anytime, if you have a microwave at home, the best thing to do is always use a styrofoam from a tray under the food. Or a special glass, you know, whatever you're using. If I want to use it for milchitz, have a tray for milchitz and put it on that. Next time I want to use flashlights, take that one out and use it. And again, assuming there was no heat and it's clean, the tray, you have two different trays, and you're, you're, you're good to go. So you could, you could do that in your microwave and go theoretically from milchix to flashlights. Now, then, then this next step of kashering it, if it does get hot to kasher it, what you have to do is you put to put in, it gets, it gets hot through steam. So the way you're going... What? Oh, so now, if you want to kasher it from milchix to flashlights, so we said before, you have to wait 24 hours. It has to be cleaned 24 hours. And then the way you kasher it is by putting a... a um, a pot of water, a, a cup of water in there, and put it in the highest setting and zap it until it tr- creates steam all over there, and that'll kasher it. So you have to make sure it's clean, wait 24 hours, and then you put, you put something in there which will generate a lot of steam. Hot water does, it, does that a very good job of creating a lot of steam. Um, you know, put a nice nice cup of water, a bowl of water in there, and let it go, and that will kasher it out. Um, that's you want to go from muscles to flesh, etc. You want to go muscles to power, if, you, know, so that you can do that without waiting 24 hours. So that once you get to that point, it's the same as an oven. I'm running through this a little bit quick. I'm hoping I'm clear. Yeah? Is that clear? Yeah. Yes. Any questions? I got one minute. Yes. Tell them. Um, what's the difference between like a stovetop and like a microwave? Like if you have stuff on the stovetop, do you have to make sure it's clean? Like the only issue we have on the stovetop is the, it, it's the, the pot is touching the grate. So um, you have to worry about something on the no, grate. Like, I mean, the glass, glass tops are a little more complicated because the, the, the glass that they use has actually has, not just only glass, there actually is like other types of clay in there which give it its ability to withstand heat. And they absorb flavors and they transfer one to the other. So the best thing always to do over there is make sure that the, you know, it's dry when you put it on. Um, the, not even if you have like grates, not a um, Whatever you have, if, assuming that the area where it hit is clean, and there's not, you know, there wasn't actual residue there. It's been, it's clean. Uh, Marshall said you could. Which is? Rabbi Feinstein. Yes. Um, but let's say like you come to a hotel or something, you want to use the microwave. You're not sure if it's been used within 24 hours because. So you can't kosher, but the eights is just double wrap. Okay. Yeah. That's how you had a question. No. Okay. Ladies, I hope we got we got clear. I'll have to come back some other time in the future to clarify all the things that were, were correct. And I'm going to post this year, so if somebody wants to listen to it, it'll be posted.